Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Roy won't take no or no comment sitting down. This is The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Emails coming in about my interview with Jane Philpott, the Federal Minister of Health, about opioid meds and uh, the government's agenda to blame the chronic pain patient for what is described uh, from government to government as a crisis. It's not the chronic pain patient. I said, it, I said it to the minister, and you heard her tell me time and again, you're making great points, Roy. You're making great points. It is not the patient. It is the drug addict who is going to the street corner distributor and will use anything. They got their hands on opioids, and they got their hands on illegal opioids, and their lives uh, are unfortunately lost. But governments with an agenda, and I think a lot of it has to do with money, with an agenda against opioids are punishing people, um, up to a million and a half Canadians, for simply living with chronic pain. They are being victimized. And you've heard the patients, and you'll hear more tomorrow. The people are asking me, when are you going to play the Philpot interview again? I posted a link on uh, on Twitter, uh, at the Roy Green Show, so you can listen to the interview with the federal health minister. And I'll play it again tomorrow because when I spoke to the minister, the last patient I mentioned, who said, I'm either going to have to choose to live or commit suicide based on what happens with the doctor I'm seeing next, she's 38 years of age, young woman with, with a lot of professional skills and abilities, and now because of her chronic pain has to focus specifically in one direction, she said, I will, well, you'll hear it. Uh, again, lots of response from, uh, let's see, from A.J. Weil. I know that person. My goodness, she can dance around the point like Fred Astaire, speaking about um, about the uh, the health minister and from Cody. Way to go, Roy. I love that you didn't let her talk her way out of all the questions you had for her to put her in, in place. It wasn't trying to put her in place and not squirm away. Well, I, I, I told the minister about four questions in. Well, he haven't answered any of my questions yet. And uh, you can listen to it at the Roy Green Show. And it's time for, let's see, who's here? Who's calling in? Mich- Michelle. Who are you people? Catherine. Who, who are you people? We're the beauties. We're the weirdos that drive you crazy every Saturday at 4.30. They are the beauties. <laughs> We're the guys. Yeah, the guys. Yeah. Say you guys. Yeah. At Michelle Simpson on Twitter, former Liberal Member of Parliament, former seatmate to some guy named Trudeau. Uh, that's that's what I, I saw a photograph of. I saw a photograph of you and him. Ooh. I, I did, and I said, there's Michelle with some other guy. <laughs> <laughs> Linda Leatherdale, former money editor at the Toronto Sun, vice president of Cambria, Canada, and independent business journalist at lindaleatherdale.com. How are you? Hey, Roy. I'm doing great. Excellent. And uh, the ever-shy, reticent, and... (laughs) Quiet. Quiet. 
Shy and retiring. Shy and retiring. Catherine Swift, workingcanadians.ca, the former uh, CEO and president of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. What's the title? What, what's that in French? La Federation Canadienne de l'Entreprise Indépendante. Oh. Wow. <laughs> Pretty good. Okay, guys, what do we want to start with? Um, Linda, I think you have something, and Catherine has an addendum. Well, absolutely, and we all listened with great intent this week as Kevin Flynn, that's the Ontario Labour Minister, unveiled what Kathleen Wynne has been hinting at, um, these fair workplace initiatives. Roy, oh my goodness, um, the minimum wage in Ontario is going to jump from 11.40 an hour to $15. Um, as Catherine would say, it looks like the union themselves wrote this huge 147-page document but it is incredible that now, of course, Ontario will have the highest minimum wage in the country. And this is a real tough one. I mean, there are quite a few people, as you know, flipping burgers or whatever, who are going to say, this is the best thing. And, but when you see that hunters and trappers and nannies can now unionize and certification becomes easier, I can tell you, I was at an event with the National Kitchen and Bath Association. Little mom and pops, they're worried about this, Roy. They feel their profit margins are not high, that they could be squeezed under. We're hearing it from um, business improvement areas, et cetera, et cetera, that this is going to be a tough one. But come on, let's look at the real reason for this. Kathleen Wynne has the lowest popularity, I believe, in the history of Canada for any premier. And instead of st stepping aside, she has come up with this. And Alberta has something similar, but certainly their minimum wage won't go to. Well, here's so. something just before Catherine jumps in, because I want to hear f from you know you you're, you you know this stuff inside out. But what I saw when this was released was it takes effect in 2019. The election is next year, so yeah. they can make any promise they want uh, in 2017. Yes. If it doesn't come into effect until 2019, well, it'll just be yeah. an election promise. It's supposed yeah. to go to $14 just before the election. Yeah, it's going to go up next year, too, before the election. Just, yeah, to 14 mm -hmm. and What is interesting, Andrea Horwath, leader of the NDP, wants $15, but Patrick Brown is not speaking up whether he would repeal this or not. So, you know, it's a tough one. I think, you know, we, we, we complained about the HST and we said this was going to kill the real estate markets because everything from appraisals to legal fees would go up. And what happened? Real estate went on to record highs. So i got to tell you, this is going to be a tough one, but it's going to hurt a lot of the mom and pops and the small businesses who are our largest job. And if that happens, Catherine, it's going to hurt the employees. Yeah. Well, naturally. And this is the kind of thing that Bob Ray did in Ontario, by the way, back in the Bob early who? 90s. And, and by the way, unions absolutely wrote this. I, I've read the document. It's all union boilerplate. And, you know, the unions in the private sector have failed miserably to cope with our modern economy. And the, the playing field is so tilted already against business, the people that actually create some prosperity, and, and in favor of unions. And this just makes that tilt even, you know, all the more ridiculous. And the, the minimum wage got a lot of attention, and justifiably so. Uh, uh, but I've heard from so many small businesses, do, do people really think they have po big pots of money that they can suddenly 
just up uh, what they're paying their employees. And by the way, it's not just you know it's not just the wages that go up. It's all those payroll taxes, the EIs, the CPPs, and all of those are dependent on the level of uh, you know the level of pay. So the cumulative effect is terrible. People are going to be laid off. People are going to uh, lose their jobs. Full time will switch to part time. All manner of different changes will happen. But a, a, a really insidious part of a lot of this that didn't really get much attention yet is all the nickel and diming tying an employer's hands in so many ways. Now an employee, an employer doesn't can't even ask for a sick note. If, if from a doctor if an employee has been off for a long period of time. There's, there's just so many nitty-gritty little, you know, regulate every little mo- movement uh, that the employer does. And, of course, every yeah. single one of those costs money, needs more bureaucrats to implement naturally. And we've seen in Ontario growth in the, pri- in the public sector outstrip that in the private sector by about five to one. And we know, you know, government doesn't So here's a question. Here's the question. Uh, how many businesses can afford 15, what kinds of businesses can afford $15 an hour and simply are refusing to but are paying their CEOs massive amounts of dough? Probably not. Because that's the next question. The thing is, minimum wage ones. Hmm? Who, who, who in their right mind earns minimum wage for more than a very short period of time? You know, we talk about minimum wage as if it was something that everybody's earning, which, of course, it isn't the case. And when you increase minimum wage, you ratchet up wages. Yeah, right but I'm going to tell you, I learned something, Catherine, I learned something a few weeks ago when I had my, I called them my millennials. They're the studio crew. They keep this thing afloat. And uh, Lisa and Will were in studio, and, and they're very energetic, very um, ambitious young people who want to get their careers going. And there's just what it's not there for them, and I hear this over and over. So I'm I'm not willing to discount it entirely. So they will they tell me that they're working two, three minimum wage jobs uh, because that's all that's there at the moment. So I understand the I understand the argument. Who wants to work minimum wage for a long period of time? I understand that. I'm just saying that that may be maybe a counter argument. Well, the, the reality is that a lot of these jobs that do attract minimum wage, you mentioned earlier, which jobs are they? They are entry-level jobs by and large. They're in certain industries, certainly things like the hospitality, fast food, all of that kind of thing. And don't forget, all of those industries now have a much greater ability to automate than they ever have yeah, that's before. Good. Oh, yeah. yeah and, exactly. and some of these jobs are just going to go away uh, because they're going to be automated, and they're never going to exist again for humans. Okay, I have to take a break, and I'm, but I want to. Well, here's what I want to know. Why would trappers unionize? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, wh- wh- what's in it f- for trappers? I mean, they don't work for anybody. They work for themselves, uh, and they and they trap animals. So are the lynx and the moose going to unionize next? I mean, <laughs> where does this end? <laughs> the International Brotherhood of Mooses. It is, it is pretty ridiculous when you think of it. And by the way, Alberta has done something very, very similar. So it's not just Ontario. No, you were going yeah. to mention that, yeah. Yes, exactly. All right, so we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to allow, not allow, we're going to invite Michelle Simpson to get at the issue she wants to get at on Beauties and the Beast today. Stick Thank around. You. 
Standing up for the little guy for the greater good. This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Tomorrow, we'll have the premier from Saskatchewan, Premier Brad Wall, on the show. Talk to him about uh, Donald Trump saying no thanks to the Paris Accord. And now we have mayors in the United States and some governors saying, well, we'll go it alone. Sure you will. Sure you will. Um, and uh, so we'll talk to the, uh, to the premier about that. And we'll talk to the Premier about the carbon tax, which that other guy who I saw in that photograph with Michelle Simpson seems to assume we're all going to have to put up with. I wish he wouldn't start every sentence with the word Canadians. You don't speak for me. Michelle Simpson is the former seatmate to that other guy, the Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau. Justin. Justin Trudeau. Le petit Justin. Must have been a wonderful kid when he wanted a toy. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite line. So, Michelle, you wanted to get at a specific issue. Please go ahead. Well, it occurred to me that there's been a lot of spotlight for MMIW, you know, the murdered and missing women, indigenous women. And I saw the other night the new commissioner that the federal government has appointed. And I just about thought my head would explode because this issue has been, has absolutely been studied to death. The the commissioner's gonna conduct a study and it's gonna cost millions. And, you know, I know it won't break the bank, but all of this adds up and I thought, there have been so many studies, Roy, and they've all of them, and I sat on one, and it was called A Cry in the Night, and we did it, Status of Women, and they, they all just get filed away. Nobody reads them, and nobody takes them seriously. So that when questions are asked, when a report is filed of, say, the Prime Minister... He hasn't got an answer because he hasn't read it. Yeah, oh, exactly. Hasn't even read the index. No, exactly. But, and Michelle, it gives didn't... the appearance of doing something. Oh, no, it, that's what... This is the whole ball game here, and every government does this, so okay. no particular one is you know, it's necessarily it, more no, guilty. I know, and Catherine, you're absolutely right. But we've thrown millions and millions and millions at studying the issue and have made zero progress and we know what the problems are it's not rocket science no exactly so they say let's get to the root causes and i remember sitting at a round table thinking oh my god this is bizarre if we can't even get past what are the root causes my little dog could have figured out what the root causes were Let's get some solutions. But, you know, I'm not picking on the, uh, you know, the First Nations people. I, I just think that it's a make-work project, and a lot of people are going to get rich. 
But but also actually. So wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Just Catherine. Just a sec. Michelle, who gets rich? Oh, the commissioners and all these appointees. Because it is an important issue. But you're right. It's been it's been going on for a long time. No, and how far have we gotten, right? Like really? Yeah. Catherine. That's my point. And the commissioner, when they say it's going to cost millions for this commission. People on the commission are going to be making the money. I would like to see their per diem rates. Anyway, so you're so you're saying it's not a it's not a sincere effort. Oh well, nobody takes it seriously because nobody reads it. But there's a lot of Aboriginal leaders that are coming out and and disparaging this commission already. Because it has done nothing. It was made a big deal of during the election. Yeah. And, and nothing really is happening. No, exactly. And the I think, woman I mean, in I charge look looks at this like a lovely lady. But you know what? I thought, how much are you earning? Mm-hmm. More than minimum wage. Exactly. So my, my issue, and I'll just do this very quickly because we, in the first hour, not everybody hears the first hour of the show. But we talked about uh, Bernardo being eligible in in August for parole hearing. We talked about Hamolka being volunteering at the school her kids attend. Tim Danson was on the air with us, the lawyer for the French Mahaffey families. I've known Tim for many years, worked with him on on some cases. And, uh, of course, know the French as the Mahaffeys very well. Um, I was honored when... uh, when Debbie asked me to be the moderator for the for the memorial service for Kristen and for Leslie, uh, for Bernardo and for Homolka, to have any opportunity to intrude on our lives is sickening. It's depraved. And when you look at Homolka, uh, Mr. Mulcair, maybe you ought to take a look at her. This woman is a psychopath, a sociopath, and as Tim Danson said, given the wrong set of circumstances, she'd do it all over again. Because it can't be fixed. Because it can't be fixed. It's awful. It's atrocious. Well, that's, this is a major flaw in our legal system, though. Yep. That these disgusting. Remember Clifford Olson? Out of in course DC? I do. Yeah. He he he. Every opportunity he had to apply for parole, uh, he did it, and it and? Just tormented the families. Of course, and you know what they did, Catherine? <laughs> they they get they got him a private jet. And they flew him from his prison in Saskatchewan to the hearing in Vancouver, and they told uh, they told Sharon Rosenfeld, the mother of one of his victims, victims of violence co-founder, that uh, that she had to make her own way to Vancouver. Yeah, but for for Olson, they would get a private jet. This is a guy who was too dangerous to let out of his cell, but they got him a private jet to go to the parole hearing. Yeah, and exactly. he just reveled in it. Too. Disgusting. Yes, he did. He reveled. He well, was in one a- thing Harper tried to do was make these pe- the people that do these heinous heinous crimes where the proof is absolutely undeniable they are they are permanently there for life real life not just you know what the old the old west uh, the old west system worked fine you got a horse you got a rope you found a tree end of story yeah i can't disagree with you there yeah see you kids see you dad see you (laughs) talk to you next week okay bye-bye